What's up, everyone? I'm Paul, and today on the Low to High podcast, I was able to sit down with one of the lead broadcasters in women's college lacrosse, as well as UVA lacrosse alum, Dana Boyle. Dana and I spoke about what it's been like covering college lacrosse during COVID, what it was like to cover the Final Four in person for the first time, and much more. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let's get right into it. I don't think anyone's happier than Dana Boyle. Not only was she able to cover some of the best women's lacrosse championship games in recent history, she was also able to see her former UVA Wahoos win the national championship. Dana, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not, I'm doing pretty good. I was uh, very excited that we got to see some Memorial Day lacrosse for the first time in almost two years. I'm sure you could say the same thing as well. How did you feel uh, going back in person, uh, uh, being at the studio, being on the sideline for games, uh, you know, was it exhilarating? Was it exhilarating? What were the differences from uh, from it being uh, like uh, instead of the instead of it being on a Zoom call? How did it feel for you? It was incredible. Um, I don't know if I could put it into a single word or even describe it because it was amazing and being in person on the sidelines. That's the first time I had done sideline reporting or as an analyst and the energy was electric and it just was something like I've never experienced before. I've played in the final four. I've called games from home, but being on the sidelines in a final four in a national championship and getting to see with my own eyes and not through a screen was something I'll never forget. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to come down from the high that I've been on the last four months especially this past weekend. Um, I finally got my voice back. So that is a plus. That's a good thing. And what about like from the rest of the sports world, everyone talking about, you know, either Charlotte North scoring 102 goals in a season or how electric those games were hearing it from people outside of the sports world. And you say, and you were able to be a part of that. You were able to witness that in person. How does that feel to you? I'm just really grateful. And I have an immense amount of gratitude for the sport of women's lacrosse. I played it in college. And so it's no secret to me that it's exciting. It's always been exciting to me, but just the gratitude that ESPN gave women's lacrosse and to have that platform to be able to highlight and showcase, you know, these incredible student athletes. And I'm in awe of every single one of them, the players, the coaches, the administrators, uh, the support staff, the, you know, team doctors, anyone who was a part of not just the spring season for lacrosse, but any sport that's been played during the pandemic, it takes so much sacrifice and so much work. And I have a small amount of of clue what it takes behind the scenes, but nothing like those teams have experienced and those institutions have experienced, like being able to sacrifice, you know, you just go to school and then you just play lacrosse. Like that's incredible. And, you know, these young women and any student athlete they did something really difficult and they did it together and they stuck with the values and they stuck, you know, to the game plan. And we got a season of lacrosse and we weren't sure that we were going to make it to May. And so to be at the final four and to be at the championship game, I just had so much gratitude and I just have so much respect for anyone, you know, who played a spring season, whether it's lacrosse or softball or, or, I mean, field hockey played in the spring. It just, it's amazing what they were able to do. And they gave us all some really great lacrosse to watch on TV. Does it feel unreal from how you started off doing your first broadcast on a Zoom uh, 
not really sure what the outlook of the season is, not even knowing if you're going to be able to call another game the week after, if the season was going to get shut down quickly, to being in person for Memorial Day weekend for the girls across champion or women's across championship, watching, watching an amazing game. How did that feel for you? It's next level. Uh, this was my first full season with ESPN. I've done some digital games and I did two linear games last year before the pandemic and everything got shut down. And so I wasn't even sure that I was going to be broadcasting. I, I wasn't sure. And so to be able to be brought into the ESPN lacrosse family and welcomed and treated with kindness and respect and people offered advice and, you know, Paul Karkatera and Anish Sharaf and Quinn Keshnick and I mean, anybody it just they've all been so helpful and they've all welcomed me in and that's special and that doesn't happen all the time and then she and Samus Birch is you know a legend in the women's lacrosse world and she's been broadcasting for so long and has so much experience and to be able to learn from her and all get to work together to put sports on tv and, and put lacrosse on tv was amazing. It's surreal. And I actually sometimes don't believe that I just completed a season because I was at home for most of it, but it still was electric and it still was fun. And, you know, that adrenaline that you get when you are about to play a game or the first whistle before it blows and you start like that same adrenaline was matched calling games, even at home, but then to experience it next level and be at a championship weekend, I'll never forget it. What was your favorite moment from this past weekend? Everything. Uh, I think my favorite moment was seeing when we went to the practices um, on Thursday, and then we also went on Saturday, and just sitting back for a second and kind of taking off my broadcaster hat and just watching and, and seeing the smiles of not just the players, but the coaches and the media personnel and, you know, the SIDs and the people who work so hard behind the scenes and just seeing smiles and like hugging and handshaking and like things that we haven't been able to experience in person. There just was so much um, happiness and that to me is special. And it's more what happens, you know, outside of the game, outside of the boundaries of the field that make lacrosse really special. And obviously, you know, in-game moments are incredible. And, you know, people like Charlotte North are going to dazzle you. And Boston College was incredible in Syracuse and UNC and Northwestern. But seeing the side conversations when we went to practice and seeing the coaches, you know, put their arm around the players and say, like, we got this, like, we did this. To me, that was the most special. Can you tell how close, uh, from a broadcaster's perspective, can you tell how close these teams got through these rigorous six months? Yeah, we, we asked the coaches a lot throughout the season, you know, what are you guys doing outside of what you would normally do to kind of keep your team engaged and that team chemistry that you can only get when you're having meals in person or, you know, traveling to away games and you get to do fun things, activities. They didn't get to do that. And so... I'm so impressed with the coaches and the captains of all of these teams for creating different ways to, you know, keep that team chemistry alive. Like you don't just go to championships. 
championship weekend and win, or you don't just, I think of like Duke, for example, like Duke just doesn't beat Maryland, you know, in the postseason for women's lacrosse, like that took Kirsten Kimmel, you know, committing to a plan and her players buying in and that's not easy and they did it and I can say that for so many of the teams especially the teams that made it to the final four it's it was hard and they did it and I'm just impressed with you know the amount of time that it took extra time that it took not in the job description of the coaches to get the team together on Zoom or to have like alumni calls, things like that that are so out of the box that coaches aren't used to doing. You know, they pivoted and they did it well. And again, we got a season of lacrosse and I I think it's been one of the best. Talking about buy-in, you see like a team like Syracuse that was injury plagued the entire season, losing two out of their, two, two of their best players and still making it to championship weekend. You know, does that just speak about how, how well of a program that Gary Gates doing, even though he loses their two best players that like, if that were to happen, especially on the men's side of lacrosse, their team, like a team could be shattered. Like you could, you know, start racking up losses. Like it's uh, like, it's nothing. We think how powerful of a way, like to make team, like to make, to make the buy-in so important. Do you think that just speaks about how important it is to, you know, make a team, make a team closer? Mm -hmm, I do. I think another common word, that I've thought a lot about this season is resiliency. And that's not just, you know, teams going up against COVID-19 and the pandemic, but also just like resiliency within your team and injuries happen and it's unfortunate. And I wish they never did. I experienced them when I was at Virginia and it's hard and you're not, you're on the team, but you're not on the team because you're on the sidelines. And so specifically with Syracuse, I think when Emily Harris truck went down, I've said this before, a lot of us, myself included, said, oh no, like this is the end of Syracuse before they even get started. And then they bounce back and Emma Tyrell started crushing it and Meg Tyrell started crushing it. They always had these good players, but you have Emily Harris Chuck in a leadership position and she's amazing. If she goes down, other players step up. And then unfortunately Meg Carney goes down too. And again, I think everyone said, oh no, here we go again. You know. Syracuse already got hit with another ACL. Now Meg Carney, they also lost two other players to, to ACLs. And so the resiliency for them to bounce back. And then you got Emma Ward who's crushing it. But Gary Gates a good recruiter. And so he, he knew what he was doing. He recruits these excellent players and he does do a good job of getting those players minutes early in the season and letting them get out some of the kinks uh to playing in college it's very different the level is you know a hundred times more difficult than it is in high school and so you know he's really strategic and all the players that go to Syracuse or any player who's playing at the next level they are good and they deserve to be there and so it's just about developing and so the resiliency for Syracuse as a program to continue to fight back and I've spoken to Emma Ward and she said like we want to do well for those players who are sidelined with injuries. And so it's that belief in the team that we can do this. And, you know, Emily Harris, Chuck and Meg Carney, although they can't be on the field, they were still leading from the sidelines and very much a part of the team. So that resiliency to me is so impressive. Um, Every team has experienced it this year, whether it's injuries or COVID pauses or, or a number of things that come up in the season, family deaths and hardships, you know, every team, has dealt with resiliency and they've come out on top. 
because of their attitude and their approach to the season. 100%. And looking at that semifinal matchup for Boston College versus UNC, do you think that is like a textbook reason, a textbook like explanation of chemistry beating just pure talent? I think Boston College has talent. I think you look at those teams on paper, and in my opinion, they're very equal. And the coaching is equal, and the skill of the players is equal. I think in those moments, you have to perform. And whatever team is going to perform, and I mean that by saying like the little things, like shooting percentage, like UNC didn't shoot well that day. Are they good shooters historically? Absolutely. They're some of the best. Um, but they, they couldn't find the back of the net. And so that, you know, really that's, they struggled with it. And so Boston college and UNC both showed up to play that game. And honestly, I think everybody had UNC winning the entire thing. I did too. It was in my bracket. And so it's really just about the little things and the X's and O's and, you know, both teams deserve to be there. And I wish this year we could give everybody a trophy because it's been really hard. But BC showed up to play and they executed on the small things, shooting, the ride. They made more shots than UNC. And it was a really close game. Um, so that speaks to the level of competition. But I think if you watch that game in the second half, it, it was anyone's game and it was going to come down to the smallest of things. So the level of competition is out of this world. And, you know, Boston College deserved that win. Besides Boston College having an amazing having an amazing offense and you know Charlotte North leading the way, what do you think is like an unsung uh, part of Boston College's game that you know might not get as much credit as, as it deserves or might not be seen by like a by a regular viewer, but something that catches your eye? Mm-hmm. I think through and through their team is talented. Um, obviously, the offense we talk about a lot. And I was an attacker and a midfielder in college. And so I, my eyes go to the attack and midfield, but I've been so impressed with the defense, you know, defense wins championships. And that was true this past weekend and 45 Sydney scales. She's young. Like they have a young defense. Rachel Hall transferred from Oregon. She's incredible. She played her best lacrosse at the final four. It's hard to be a goalie. You couldn't pay me any amount of dollars to be in the cage and just get rifled on with, shots from some of the best players in the country like I don't want to get shot on by Jamie Ortega so Rachel Hall was amazing you know she told me during one of the practices this past weekend that Billy Bitter the assistant coach um, for Boston College who works with the goalies a lot he said to Rachel if you can make between 10 and 12 saves like we'll win this game and that was against UNC and she made 11 Um, and so she's been amazing and Sydney Scales, she was matched up against Jamie Ortega and, and she did an excellent job. And then Syracuse, they put her on Emma Ward. And I think to have freshmen and sophomores, Hunter Roman's another one, you know, to have those players step up, they've stepped up the whole season, um, but to have them do it to another level mm-hmm. is incredible. And I thought Sydney Scales, you know, was my own sun hero of the weekend she matched up against the Ty- one of the Tyrell sisters and she crushed it they she crushed it and so to have that young talent in leadership at, at such a, a late part in your season is clutch it's key 
And do you see the same thing happening on the offense as well, even though Charlotte North is going to be graduating, you know, players like Bell Smith going to be stepping up next season. Do you think Boston College can pick up right where they left off? I do. And I think that's a testament to Coach Acacia Walker, Weinstein, you know, Kara Urbank is the only one on the team that's been in the situation like they were in the final four. And she's really been a great leader. She's their quarterback. She doesn't get a lot of attention. I don't know why, but um, I love watching her play. But then you look at Bell Smith and Jen Medjid, they all work so well together. So if Charlotte decides to come back, awesome. But if she doesn't, you know, Acacia has put them in a really good spot to continue to be successful. And then you have like Annabelle Hasselback. She doesn't get a ton of minutes, but when she does go in, she does really good things. And so I think they're just strong and it starts with the coach and it starts with Acacia and it starts with her investing in her team, not as lacrosse players, but as people first. Looking at Charlotte North, seeing that she had 102 goals in one season, is there a way to like, show how like how like of a how how much of an athletic achievement is there like a is there a way to like show like in like in another sport perspective how strong of an athletic achievement that is especially in, in the sport of lacrosse I think you watch her play and her play speaks for itself uh, I don't even know if you can compare her to anybody else because she's unique and and she is Charlotte North and that is you know her greatest quality is that she is is and she's so athletic and it's not just the way she shoots like she'll pick up a ground ball and she does this like spin move and evades the defenders and you can't a lot of that you can't teach um she's just really athletic and I said this on another show or podcast and you never know what she's gonna do she could shoot score behind the back pass it you know bounce pass it but whatever she does she's going to dazzle you. And so that's the type of player that she is. And she's brought so much to not just Boston college, but to the sport of women's lacrosse. And she has changed it. Like she has set the bar really high and I'm excited for the next player to take it to another level. And she just continues to put lacrosse on the map. And there's so many little girls and little lacrosse players that are tuning in because they want to see what Charlotte North's going to do. And so she's such a good role model for the sport. Uh, thinking about how uh, this season went as a whole, what were some big takeaways that you had, uh, you know, through all the ups and downs from Zoom call to Zoom call to being in person finally? What was one big takeaway you had? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough question. I think gratitude uh not just from me being able to call games but for players um coaches everybody was so happy that lacrosse was back it's a a unifying force and it brings people together from different backgrounds and different walks of life and they can come together and celebrate a sport I think that's special and, and we didn't get that last year and so to have that ability to all be everyone's biggest cheerleaders, I think was unique. And I spoke to a lot of coaches and this was a, a different year and that the coaches had to lean on other coaches. You know, it wasn't just about my team. It was about, hey, I got to check in with my friend who coaches at X school because I'm having a hard time. She's probably having a hard time. And so it just 
I think it just brought the sport closer and it brought the teams closer within themselves and then, you know, within a conference. And I've covered a lot of the ACC and I've spoken to all of the ACC coaches and they all were looking out for each other and looking out for their players. And that's special. And, you know, anytime you can come together and work towards a common goal to put lacrosse on the map, that's amazing. Did you ever think there was a point in the season, uh, probably in the earlier part, that this probably wasn't going to work out, that there was way too many obstacles that each team had to handle? You know, one team's going on a COVID pause. Another team is going through the same thing. Everyone had, like, a bunch of teams had to quarantine. Did you ever have a fear that it wasn't going to – that you weren't going to see, uh, you know, lacrosse Memorial Day? Probably not because I am an op- I'm very uh, optimistic. <laughs> So, and maybe I was delusional, I don't know, but I just, in the back of my mind, I just thought and knew that they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out a way to overcome whatever hurdle and you got to just take it week by week. That's what I've heard a lot from the teams and even day by day. And, you know, if you think about May and it's February, like that can be really stressful. And so take it day by day, do what you have to do. And in the back of my mind, I just, knew that they would figure out a way to, to know, to make this sport shine. Looking on to next year, what are you most excited for uh, either being a lacrosse fan or broadcasting games? What are you looking forward to most? Just being able to give women's lacrosse a a platform and continue to have that grow. I think myself and she and Sam Birch and Jay and Mike Monaco and Mike Corey and Leah Secondo. I mean, Rachel Nacheco, all of us, I'm missing a ton of people, but all of us just truly love sports and we want to highlight all of the student athletes that put so much work into them. It's not about me and it's not about my play-by-play partner. It's about the student athletes and they have worked so hard and they all have amazing stories and amazing reasons why they play the sport that they do and to be able to highlight that year after year is special. And and that's what I look forward to the most. Did you see yourself grow over these past couple months as a broadcaster? I did. Uh, I was challenged in ways that I never thought I would be. Um, I don't think I've ever worked this hard uh, in my life as I did the last five months. It's new to me and and it doesn't come easy. And so, no, I'm not a fan when I'm calling the games. I have to be a student of the game. So, yes, I know lacrosse, but learning from other people um, was really helpful. And Anish and Park and Clint and Sheehan and Leah and so many people have helped me and helped me develop. And I just have to continue to work hard at it and get better. And um, I don't know if you ever perfect your craft in this business, but it's fun and every day is different. And um, I saw myself grow, not just confidence way but how I delivered games and, and how I approached certain situations and so I'm I'm better after uh, four months not as a broadcaster but as a person and so that's also special that you can find something that you love but it also makes you a better human being. Talking uh, bringing up Car Quentin and Nish uh watching their those games on Saturday watching them broadcast on Saturday and Monday did you learn anything or like over, actually over this entire season, did you learn anything from them that you've brought over to when you broadcast? Yes. Uh, between the three of them and then Chris Cotter also 
has been really helpful this year. He does a ton of stuff with ESPN and I think lacrosse is his favorite. I don't know if that's true, but for this instance, I'm just going to say it, but between Chris, Anish, Paul, Cart, um, they always will text me or send me an email and say like, Hey, here's some tips. Um, but Anish gave me a really good piece of advice before the season started um, that I actually have written in my planner and on like a sticky on my desk. But um, he said to pick two or three things that each game that are really important to me, because if they're important to me, then they'll be important to the viewers. And so that helped me each game or each show that I went on um, hone in on what I want to get across. You can't get across everything because there's, thousands of things to say about every team and every player, but picking two to three things that really resonate with me because that will resonate with the viewers. Weird question. Do you think Clark uh, talks a little bit too much about food on the broadcast? No, I love it. <laughs> it, it. It humanizes him. And, you know, when they bring personal experiences to the broadcast, I, it makes me smile at home. I know them. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but it makes them human and we all have things that make us tick. And if I could talk about Taylor Swift, every broadcast and weave it in, I would because she's my favorite. And so I think it just, it helps resonate with the viewers at home that, you know, they are people and they do have things that they love. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> have you found like your own niche niche that maybe not is in the sport of lacrosse that you try and bring up or something that you try to, compare lacrosse to so people understand uh, what's going on a little bit more? Um, I usually typically use like a basketball analogy. I think those two sports are really similar, um, but I really like finding um, like an emotional piece, whether it's, you know, a player did community service or so-and-so has a sister on the team and thinking like if I, I mean, I do have a sister, but she doesn't play lacrosse, but if my sister was on the team, like what would that mean to my family and to me? And so trying to connect the dots so people at home can you know, say, oh, I, ha I have a sister or oh, like I did this community service. So you get more viewers and you get people to buy into the sport when they can relate it to their own lives. Um, so I try to hit the emotional cord, not because uh, of anything else, but that's what resonates with me. So my last question for you today, Dana, is would there be anything you would want to change or something you wanted to go different either for you or just this 2021 season as general that, uh, that you would want to change? No, I, I don't. I think this season women's lacrosse was on TV more than it ever was. And this is only the beginning. And I, I'm just so thankful and grateful that ESPN and the ACC network, they all took a priority not just put the sport on the network, but also be invested in the sport. You know, I've received so many emails and texts saying it's been so great to learn about the sport. So to me, that makes me really grateful to be a part of the ESPN family because it's one thing to put it on the network, you know, that does check a box, but then to have the people that work at ESPN and make the decisions invested in the sport and want it to grow, that is really cool. And that is one of my biggest takeaways from this season. And so I wouldn't change a thing. I think it made the 2021 season unique and I'm already looking forward to 2022. Dana, thank you so much for coming on a little high podcast. I really appreciate your time. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to next season uh, for starting lacrosse. It seems like it's so far away, but we all know it's going to come in the snap of a finger. Thank you for having me. Thank you.